Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us on this uh, Friday morning for the weekly update. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's good to be with you as always, especially with all the... The exciting things this Shabbos and Shul. <laughs> yeah, well, in, in or <laughs> out. Except Kiddush. <laughs> in, in or out, depending on where you daven. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, someone reminded me this morning, I, I mentioned to my father's yard site, and someone reminded me this morning that you 13 years ago made a very profound comment, and and one we, our family, very much appreciated. And that was that um, uh, there was an era when the organized Jewish community was not as organized or as influential, and it took local rabbis uh, to address major issues. Now, I'm not saying they don't address major issues today. You know what I mean. But major communal issues that had international implications, a lot of it fell into their lap. So I know the times make the man, and I think that's generally the uh, uh, the consensus. Uh, but uh, there were times in this country people don't realize there was a... Uh, there was not as much of a respect for the Jewish community and not as much influence by the Jewish community. It took individual leaders uh, to go out there and to get done what needed to be done. So sometimes we have to remember the times that we're living in. Absolutely. And the shift, you know, it it's, can be a reflection of society as a whole, or sometimes it's just particular circumstances that uh, generate uh, the changes when you collectivize leadership and when you have individual leaders who are predominant. And uh, I think now we're in a period of transition, too, but I'm not sure where it's going to lead yeah. to it yet. And, and by the way, I, I think it's also a a way of looking at what's going on in Israel now in terms of leadership. Because just to take a step back for a moment, we have an election coming up on March 23rd, and you've joked already about a fifth election after that, and I, I understand half of that is you know, tongue-in-cheek. But I don't know if Israel and the Jewish world in general could have tolerated this type of political situation 20, 30, 40 years ago. I don't know if the type of instability or the impression of instability at the top, you know, would have been something that Israel could have sustained uh, during such a, you know, a uh, when it was such a young state. I think we're lucky that it's sort of happening now and that it didn't happen early on in Israel's existence. Well, I wasn't joking about the fifth. Uh, yeah, it wasn't even tongue in cheek. It was something that's uh, an increasing uh, reality. It really is likely there's going to be a fifth election. It's it's a good possibility that there will be an unstable outcome uh, uh. because of the line uh, hard lines that some are taking about who they will sit with and who they won't sit with. And when you see the number shifting, that sire who had come out of the gate so strong now is down to single digits or merits doesn't make the cut, and others, um, the Labor Party also, each of the parties as they came out knew, you know, really uh, took off. And if you remember last election, Bennett couldn't, uh, had a hard time making even the cut, at the minimum cut, with 3.25%, and now he's the third largest party. And Lapid, that everybody dismissed, is now the second at 20. So it's it's volatile, The, the margins are very narrow, and if uh, people keep to their pledges that they won't sit under a Netanyahu government, they won't sit under a Lapid government, whatever, I'm not sure that the numbers will add up. So it's possible. And your point is well taken that in earlier years, it is because of the economic strength of the country that it can survive this instability, that it can not only survive, it thrives. It's, it's continuing. You see, in February, a billion, $100 million in foreign investment in the high-tech sector, January record number, 
the the cost of of um, the vaccines and all the things that they've done, and you have to give Netanyahu credit for that, uh, moving faster than anyone else, and and Israel being in the forefront. Mm-hmm. I think uh, only Alaska is doing better, or somebody they said, but but the. Um, yeah, this this instability, but but we shouldn't think that this is just a rubber band you can keep stretching. Right. They're losing people when when uh, I don't know only sixty percent say they're going to vote. That that's not good. The relative peace also helps, right? Not just the strong economy, but the relative peace. Sure. Well, that contributes and, to the right, economy. And, 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 and you wonder because he's run so many times. I mean, he's run a lot of times already because he's run so many times on security. You wonder if that might be the difference, that if, God forbid, Israel was in a more precarious security situation, he might have more of a foothold of forming a real government. And now, because, thank God, Israel finds itself in the more peaceful you know, period of time that it's in, maybe that's what he's lacking. He doesn't have that issue to really fight for and to, and to promote his campaign with. Certainly, security situations force people to unite and generally... In Israel, as you know, that uh, they form broad governments. If God forbid there's a war, and now people don't see the immediate security threat, although it exists, certainly the situation sure. in the north right. and the increasing Iranian uh, expansionism, the uh, you know the elections in the Palestinian territories coming up, and Hamas supposedly elected a, a new leader to replace Inar Awadala, um, who was the head of their Shura Council. The, the um, you know there are a lot of ingredients right now that lead to instability, but at the same time, you see many signs of um, uh, Israel's strength. Uh, I don't know if you saw this week the story that in Saudi uh, Twitter is a, a fire with statements about the Temple Mount belonging to to the Jews, and that that uh, people should pray to Mecca and Medina. And forget about Al-Aqsa when all these campaigns, you know, that Al-Aqsa is number three and Al-Aqsa is this and Al-Aqsa that. Oh, they, it, they, there must be members of the PA who are furious with that one. Oh, they're way beyond furious. <laughs> but they're so consumed now with their own internal election and trying to knock uh, Abbas, trying to knock off Dahlan, uh, trying to keep uh, Hamas uh, out of the West Bank. And, and it could well be that they'll conjure up some sort of a deal between them, between Hamas and the, and the PA. But you see the PA, again, going ahead and, and uh, raising the salary they gave to the killers of the Fogel family right. and others completely in violation of the agreement. So they take advantage of this of this period. But to go back to your original point, it's true that they come together in times of, uh, of crisis. Uh, and, uh, it's not the price we want. Uh, we'd rather see them come together in a unity to take advantage of the Abraham Accords. And you saw Israel and Egypt held the largest bilateral conference in, in 20 years. I think 60 Israeli and Egyptian business people in a public meeting in Sharm el-Sheikh. And the the um, uh, uh, other developments that have come up just over the last few days, it's, it's just amazing that the Abraham Accords continue to, to grow. Amazing is right. And uh, it, the, the, just one last point on the election thing, and then I'll move on. But it, it, and, not, and not to bash Netanyahu, uh, you know, circumstances are circumstances, but it, it is amazing that 
um, that the 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 reputation is, or the analysis seems to always be recently, that there's no personality that's able to take him on in terms of a leadership role, right? There's just nobody who's really you know attracting a following uh, like he does with his group, and even with that. He can't go ahead, even even with you know this reputation as being the only real leader, the only one who's been able to separate himself as somebody that you know can lead Israel. He still can't form a coalition uh, to actually govern. So it's uh, it, it's sort of an indictment of him. Now again, I know the circumstances like you just described the security. I know that has a lot to do with it. But when you're regarded as the only formidable candidate, and that the problem is that everyone else is so weak, and you still can't form a government, that that's somewhat of an indictment. It is. And look, he has been serving long. It's true everywhere that, uh, you know, politicians, that's why they put term limits, um, reach a certain point, uh, right. and people want a new face. They want something different. Um, and, and you know, there's been so much. The media is pretty tough on him. And, the you know, he has these combination of circumstances. But as you said, there's no one else who has the personal stature that he has, and that is what he is, he is in fact, uh, selling to the to the public. That uh, you know, he, he's the one who has access to thing and to, to the different leaders. Mm-hmm. And if you've seen the statements this week from um, Secretary Blinken, the Secretary of State Blinken, and others that uh, were very supportive, both about enforcing the Taylor Force Act and and holding the Palestinians accountable on those fronts, but also on the ICC uh, statements in support of virus. So you can point to that and say, well, you see that uh, with all your th- fears that uh, Mike. Previous position and said that he has no regrets about embracing Trump because it, you know of, of what was accomplished. So he, there is a unique combination of factors of the longest-serving prime minister, of the criminal charges against him, of the mobilization against him, the fact that former allies turned against him. These are all elements, I think, in the in the current circumstance. But as you said, there's no one else, and no one else seems to be able to form a real coalition of the, uh, uh, you know, within the Knesset, including the fact that you have a, a growing percentage of Arabs who are going to vote even for him, that he's campaigned in Arab communities. And you right. remember what he said the last time, right. uh, is a remarkable turnaround. By the way, the Trump comments, you know, 10 days before the election, that was a real double down on his crowd. Because he didn't have to say a word about his relationship with Donald Trump, and instead he just, he made sure to. Uh, well, he was asked. It was in an interview, and he was asked about it. Yeah, but I mean, there are different ways of answering that question, right? right? Absolutely. And he was pretty strong on it. Um, and, and by the way, I mean, when you when you agree to continue funding the PA for whatever, I mean, fill in the blank. Is that is that a real violation of Taylor Force? Like, is is it does it apply to any type of economic aid or specific types? That is, when is it considered a violation? Uh, that's a very good uh, uh, question, but it, it limits. It doesn't stop uh, U.S. funding, mm. and um, and they said that um, um, that President Biden was in Israel about a mile and a half away from where where Taylor Force uh, was murdered. And he spoke about it then, so he has a personal association uh, with it. So they they did um, take some strong stance. They've also put in some new sanctions this week against uh, certain Iranians, even though they had lifted a lot of sanctions and also on the Houthis. So it looks like they're adjusting 
to the reality. But the Taylor Force blocks U.S. funding right. until it changes the position. And I think in Congress you have a majority probably that would cut off all aid until the PA ends this program. It, it's it's really horrendous. People knew understood the amount of money. And, you know, that they try to pull all sorts of shenanigans by paying them through other sources or paying the money to the PLO, and then the PLO uh, passes it on to the uh, families of the terrorists and murderers. But the... um uh, but, the, but the bottom line is the same. Right. The, the absurd part is, and you can tell me if I'm inaccurate on this, but, but they, 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 they make no effort to make sure to fund their average citizens with their basic needs. But when it comes to this, they make sure to give full or larger salaries. Absolutely. Look how the uh, Palestinian workers are lining up to get the vaccines from Israeli source there in Efrat uh, this week. Wow. They were lining up, and, and they're hungry for it. But the government, the, the government of PA, which is responsible for it, and unlike this ongoing blood Bible against Israel, which is so frustrating because it's, it's A, not true, and it's not Israel's responsibility, and Israel has facilitated. They got, you know, from, from the UAE, tens of thousands of uh, vaccines that were allowed into Gaza. They got from, uh, and Israel's provided to the, to the PA. But I assure you, it's the PA leadership that gets it, and and the um, now Israel's doing all the workers who come into Israel, and more will get. Right. But the the world is it's, you see this lineup, and and even people on television programs, others echoing, and members of Congress echoing this this really dastardly blood libel against Israel, and the facts are irrelevant. Yeah, it really is unbelievable. By the way, I'm so confused with this. With, with you know, we talk about what's happening now. Uh, pre-election, I, I thought the effort it was obvious, uh, or, or I thought it, it was obvious that there would be an effort to open up Israel as much as possible pre-election. I thought it was good for BB, and obviously he's in power. And in general, you know, there's an attitude of we want as many Israelis as possible to come back and vote and all that. It, it, so it, it looked like this past Sunday the airports would reopen, and then it looks like this entire week it's been a struggle to actually get flights in and out of Israel. Have they made up their minds yet? If pre-election they're going to be, you know, they're going to have more open sky than usual or than usual during Corona. Well, they were well on the way in terms of American flights, but as you know, United and Delta uh, protested the the government's indecision or the lack of clarity, and they cut their flights uh, significantly. American is also going to be joining, but not until, I think, after Sukkot. So for people who are asking me when the American flights are, are coming, uh, I spoke to them yesterday, and I think it'll be after Sukkot. But the um, So this was not an Israeli thing. This was more the American Airlines. I don't mean American Airlines, the airline. I'm talking about those from the United States. It was really their decision about withholding the flights. It, yeah, as I said, it's a protest because right. the government, as you said, made announcements that didn't seem... Uh, no clarity. Coincide and they right. qu- no clarity. Right. And, the, and, you know, people don't understand you have to plan. You plan sure. where your aircraft will be. El Al is continuing to fly two daily scheduled flights with no changes. Um, but uh, they were all required to present a negative, you know, coronavirus test uh, within three days of the flight, as well as uh, signed health declarations, et cetera. But it's it's people are calling me every day. I get several calls from really important cases where families have a wedding, children are getting married, other things, and people wanting to go for Pesach. In and most cases, they work it out, but it's, uh, you know, on these emergency flights. But in terms of the next 10 days, meaning between now and the election, it probably won't change. You're going you're gonna to be going through this for the next week and a half, right? I think the indecision will continue. Right. And as I've said on the show, I think many times for the last few months, that it would be, wouldn't, 
clarified till after Pesach, right. maybe even May, June, before people will be able to fly um, freely for the summer to go. But the tourism industry really needs it. Israel's economy needs it. Uh, so hopefully it'll come sooner rather than later. Yeah, believe me, <laughs> believe me, we're ready. Um, me too. Are they really setting up a polling station in uh, in Ben Gurion Airport, literally, so people could fly in and, and then fly right out if they want to? That's what they said. It's pretty and, amazing. You know, they vote started voting this week here in New York at the consulate. Ah. Uh, they have three polling booths there for diplomats. I mean, it's restricted in Shlichim. I think are allowed. Israelis here are not. They have to go back. Mm-hmm. Usually, you have a large number that fly back to Israel for elections. That's not going to be the case this time. And I'm, I'm concerned that you'll have a much lower turnout, which adds more uncertainty to the to the outcome or to the confidence people have in the outcome. Right. Do those votes ever make it back to Israel, the ones that take place in New York? They do get there eventually, right? Um, one year or the other. <laughs> no, they do. They have a very good system. And it's all highly regulated. And, uh, you know, they send people. That, that it's, it's set up very carefully. Yeah, that that I'm sure it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio. Around the world the web and AlchemySegal.com and the AlchemySegal Network and of course on the beloved NSN app. The PA has vetoed the UAE joining the East Med Gas Forum as an observer. Could you tell us what East Med is and does the PA have the right to do this? So the East Med is uh, something, as you know, I've talked many times over the past 10 years about the importance of creating a Mediterranean initiative, which we initiated, I guess, about 12 years ago by visiting Greece and Cyprus and bringing together the three leaders, ultimately. And and we go every two years with the Greek-American leaders to foster it and to expand it. And I've dealt with many countries. And one of the outcomes, especially of the oil discoveries, was the East Med Forum, uh, in which the Palestinians, even though they don't have a direct, they don't have a coastal position, um, were included. And it seems that the members have a right to block a, an applicant, but I don't believe that it will hold long term. Uh, many others want to join. Turkey wants to get in. Others want to get in. Uh, and I can tell you in terms of the overall, and that it's a broader perspective, but the Gulf and the Mediterranean countries, and especially now with Morocco being the far point and Spain also being very interested that we can build this uh, amazing corridor from the uh, to the Indo Pacific uh, because of the countries there wanting to join Japan, India, Australia, also, uh, and it can have amazing security, economic, and other implications. So I don't believe that the veto if necessary they'll create an alternative vehicle. And but the UAE is an integral part of this, and we're working very closely with Israel. And again, you know, the stories don't get the coverage they once right. did. Israel was uh, prime minister was supposed to visit right. uh, UAE, but that but there was some controversy over over flights over Jordan because he didn't give notice, uh, and also his wife uh, was hospitalized with appendicitis, so it was reason for him uh, not to go. But. Um, but, of course, the media is playing it up and sort of trying to make it an embarrassment for him. Well, they're also making an issue, just politically, they're making an issue of the relationship between Israel and Jordan. Is it more precarious than we think? No. 
I don't think it's more precarious than it normally is. It's always uh, it's always shaky. It's always shaky. There's always like uh, small yeah, issues. Always that, uh, and always small and big issues. And sometimes there's uh, an explosion. Somebody gets killed. Something else happens. Some incidents on the border. Uh, the Temple Mount issues. Right. And and just if I can make a quick reference because I don't want to forget uh, this reference about the Temple Mount. The fact that that in Saudi Arabia people talk openly right. about the Jewish rights. To, to the Temple Mount, right. the fact that the Moroccans and others all want to make deals, all of whom claim some, you know, uh, role in the Harabayat in particular, uh, should inspire people to remember that we should be asserting our claim. People should be appreciating the fact that, that Jewish sovereignty reigns and that it's increasingly recognized, and there are many exciting things happening there uh, that will be seen. Uh, and for those who visit, we'll see it, that, that this is uh, should not be dismissed. This, to me, it's an amazing development. I'm pausing just because you are, you, you are revealing such a stark reality, and that is that we, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll you know, give everyone a slight pass because the less you visit, and obviously nobody's visited uh, outside of Israel, nobody's visited over the last many, many months, Lest you visit, the the more uh, you know you, you feel far away from uh, the Temple Mount and our beloved Jerusalem. Uh, but but the stark reality of what you just said is that we have this we have this you know millennia old obligation to stay connected to Jerusalem and to fight for no other you know not to not to fight for you know harder for our own neighborhoods in Chutzlaaretz than our beloved Temple Mount and. What you just said hit me like you know we just we don't we just don't get that and we don't and we do- take too much for granted that uh, we should not because you you see in the ICC in the International Criminal Court and I know people probably glaze over when we mention it because they don't understand the importance or what the implications but it could be very great and and you could start having you know court cases uh, and by the way the United States came out very strongly against the ICC, which began the investigation. And they have, no, they have no veto power? They can't just squel- squelch no, the whole thing? The U.S., like Israel, is not part of it. Uh-huh. We didn't sign the Rome Accord. So no matter what the U.S. says, they can't just make it disappear. But, and the U.S. is under scrutiny. They want to go after American troops in um, uh, fighting the Taliban in Pakistan or other vi- human rights violations of that kind. They don't seem to have to investigate anything about Syria or <laughs> many other countries. It's crazy. What did I see this week that the U.N. did actually uh, condemn Egypt for something, and everybody was shocked that, that that they were able to condemn somebody that wasn't Israel. I forgot what it was for, but a human rights violation, maybe? I, I, yeah, well, yeah. they always go after them on human rights, but but part of the reason is because of uh, the relationship with Israel and this high-profile um, uh, conference that I said probably inspired others right. to, uh, to, to do it. And by the way, they're increasing the number of flights. They, they just put Egypt Air to replace Sinai Air, and they're talking about 21 flights a week between Cairo and uh, Tel Aviv. It's pretty amazing, I'll tell you. Different times. Mm-hmm. As Pesach approaches, we have to remember the relationship between <laughs> Israel and Egypt. Um, by the way, I meant to mention this earlier, and I know that you know we don't always uh, <laughs> we don't always discuss sports, but in this case, it's a little bit of a different story. Uh, it, 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 kudos to those. There are a lot of sports writers and people who write opinion columns who take different positions when when players do stupid things. Kudos to those who insisted that this guy Myers Leonard uh, be fined and disciplined by the NBA for using a really bad uh, uh, slur against uh, you know a, a Jewish slur, a, a you know a derogatory term 
uh, for Jews. And and that's another thing we shouldn't take for granted, by the way, Malcolm, because a lot of times these institutions, including the major leagues, you know, they ignore the anti-Semitic stuff and they're much more, uh, you know, they're much more uh, a machmir, so to speak, when it comes to other groups. So in this case, we have to acknowledge that there were people out there fighting this battle. And he, he not only apologized, but uh, you saw that uh, Julian Edelstein. Edelman, the, yeah, Julian Edelman. Ed, Edelman of the, of the, oh, you don't know about Edelstein, the football player. <laughs> <laughs> Edelstein, uh, Goldstein. Invited him for a Shabbat meal to his home. It's a great it's idea, it. by the way. You, you you love that strategy. So I do. Yeah. I've used it, and, I've, and it's the best thing. Yeah, to, to, and even when people go to Israel, and we take all of these guys right. who are the famous people, a Shabbat meal in Israel, because, uh, uh, the very fact that they participate in a Shabbat meal, many of them will say, I always dreamed of this. I always wanted to. I didn't know. And they tell us it's the greatest experience. Uh, yes, yes, yes. We have so much more in common than what separates us, but unfortunately we don't always get the opportunity to display that. Uh, Israel targeted 12 tankers heading to Syria. I mean, based on what I saw, I assume this was, uh, uh, th- 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 these these were for the benefit of Iran, and Israel wanted to make sure to stop them. Uh, yes, also Israel has to retaliate for the attack on our ship, mm-hmm. on Israel's ship in the um uh, in the Gulf of Oman, which is now was repaired and is back flying, is back working. It looks like it could have been they flew a, dr- a drone into it rather than the, the bomb, although I think the holding theory still is that they attached those bombs to the side of the hull and that it exploded. But, um, uh, you know, Israel can't allow a thing like that to go unresponded to uh, without and doesn't want to escalate the conflict, uh, but the these attacks... Are ongoing. By the way, the United States carried out uh, attacks. I don't think we discussed those in, in in Syria, which shocked some of the you know people in 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 Congress, Democrats who right. saw right. the president took the action because it was necessary. You can't make these blank things that we're going to stop. We're not going to do this. American security depends on it. And when they attack Americans in in Iraq and launch the missiles, many missiles against them, and we know that there are more attacks planned. We see Iran moving again and uh, people are probably tired of it but it's not well i'm getting i'm getting concerned because the more the biden administration postpones how they're going to deal with iran the more time iran has to to continue to develop what they need to develop over there well it's not in their hands i mean they have offered to to negotiate it but they uh, but we should welcome the fact that they're holding firm both on on the the conditions and the the fact that the the Iranians have to agree first and take the steps first to stop the violations and then negotiate. The Iranians are saying no, negotiate. Then we will talk about um, uh, reducing the the, the um, measures that we have taken. But they just uh, this week started enriching uranium with a third set of these new advanced IR2 centrifuges in the tons at the underground facility, which I've mentioned. So, and this is even the IEA acknowledging uh, some of this. And this, uh, it, it's attempted to bring more pressure on President Biden, and who wants to revive the accords, and they want to negotiate. But Rob Malley and others, you know, who have been very pro the agreement, and is now the Iran envoy, um, said this week that they're not going to have any surprises with Israel, that they're going to coordinate that, the, you know, the working group between Israel and uh, United States, led by National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan and Israel's equivalent, the Mayor Ben Shabbat, held the first, is going to hold the first round of talks, I think, on Thursday. 
and they um, their, the soundings and the statements that are being made are acknowledging the differences between 2015 and 2021. But the uh, Iranians, in the meantime, are put, put in this fourth cascade, uh, and it has to be. It hasn't been said yet with the UF six um, uh, gas to activate it, but it, it doesn't take long, and this means that they can enrich. Um, up to five percent purity, and uh, and which is above the three point six seven, but less than the twenty percent. But we know now that at Fordo they're at twenty percent already. So ninety percent is is for an atomic weapon, but twenty to ninety is just a technical adjustment uh, to get from three point five to six is a big thing. So people, when they see these stories and and, uh, see the IEA has been more open and more aggressive because the the, the Iranians are just lying and they're not giving them access to a lot of the facilities, they they acknowledge the fact that there are facilities which um, inspectors haven't been able to get to. It's it's infuriating. I, I, I don't know. To the to the novice like me, it just looks like the U.S. is dragging its feet. I mean. I wanted, there was something else. When people don't understand how much influence Iran has, that they have front groups operating and individuals, some of whom have very close ties to the past administration, this administration, who who are working under the guise of different organizations. There are a lot of people who questioned the, the role of NIAC, uh, which had entry, guy and gain entry in, in Washington. But the, the Iranian have a, uh, it came out uh, in the last few days, uh, a study showing that they have, uh, Islamic Radio and Television Union is a propaganda arm of the IRGC and the Quds Force, and that they have stations all over. They have more than 210 affiliates in 35 countries with satellite television, radio stations, news agencies, etc. So the news that people think they're getting that, that it's, uh, they think is credible and their goal is to t- to disseminate anti-American and anti-Israel narrative, and it works. They their success on the internet <clears throat> is way underestimated. Yeah, that's true. And if they're looking for some good anti-American rhetoric, there are a lot of Americans that they could hire, frankly, for that. And the blood libel is a result of that. This this thing, right. the how the vaccine story, despite the fact that it's not his responsibility, that it's fundamentally untrue, and all of that still has legs and continues. Yeah. And it's on campuses now we're seeing demonstrations about it. You know, when the whole Saturday Night Live thing came out, so everybody had their own angle. And the one I kept taking was the, uh, you know, nobody's out there for other countries the way Israel is. And then in your daily alert, I see that Israel said it was sending a medical team to Equatorial Guinea following the deadly blast at a military camp on Sunday, which killed over 100 people. And a seven-member team from Israel arrived in the African state of Eswat. Eswatini, formerly Swaziland, on Monday to help with the COVID-19 vaccination program. These are the people that they're blood libeling, the ones who are ready to go anywhere in the world to help in any capacity possible. Exactly. Unbelievable. Mr. Holmline, I thank you very, very much. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and we'll speak next week. God willing, have a great Shabbos and a good Chodesh. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays with the weekly update here at JM in the AM.